After four solid days, plenty of tears, and one dead laptop later, you've done it. You've crafted the perfect magic item. The Whistle of Smelly Farts! I'm Mo. And I'm Austin. And today we talk homebrewing in this episode of Dungeons and Brews. Welcome back to Dungeons and Brews, everyone. We are so excited to be talking about homebrew in this session, but episode 10, not even including our special episodes. I think with our special episodes included at this point, oh, buddy, I think we're almost at 15 episodes down. It feels good. feels good. Feels it's right. like you guys and like us. We thank you guys so much for all the outpouring of support. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different uh, numbered session. Uh, so I gave a little bit of a hint at the end of last episode, but we will be wrapping up our world creation segment as it is time for myself to put in the finer details, actually write the hooks that we're going to use. Yep. And that cannot be public knowledge because we're going to be asking for some of you lucky listeners to be playing in this campaign with our wonderful brewmaster, Mo. You guys have been with us since day one, y'all, since we've decided to put this thing into play. Our world creation episode, building it up, the jokes that we made that kind of led to canonization of what? Basically, uh, uh, caramel, vanilla, caramel, Hershey, the Alamond, yeah. yeah. All of that stuff. The smarts. The smarts. The smarts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm beyond excited. We have we have ideas of how we're going to craft the world. Uh, Brewmaster, and Mo, uh, again, Brewmaster Austin is going to put those little touches onto it. And again, we want to be very careful here, guys. We're not going to flush out every hamlet, every town, every little itsy bitsy thing. You know, sometimes... The best thing about DMing is the improv that we do at the table. So we're really excited for that. And uh, again, that's all connected with uh, all that fun jazz. But first, Brewmaster Austin, I think it's time we take a look at what we have here. We are going back to a regular favorite here in the Michigan area. We're going back to Griffin Claw here, Griffin Claw Brewing Company. We decided to go with a conflict of interest here as a New England style IPA, meaning this thing is 6% alcohol. So we'll have some fun with it. Hefty. Hefty indeed. Definitely one we probably won't finish all, guys. <laughs> I mean, at least we're honest about it. Ready? A three, a two, a one. Takes me so long to open these things. Okay. Yeah, it's it's I, a New England IPA. Yeah, I mean it's, it's a IPA. hazy. It's a hazy IPA. I don't really see anything different uh, from this one. It's and you know what I mean by different is like I don't really feel like it excels at any one thing. It's kind of it's good. I probably wouldn't go out of my way to buy it, which is kind of sad it? because like it's. Griffin, I love Griffin. I, I love me too. Yeah. yeah, I love everything they do. This, this might be our lowest it. rated beer yet. So yeah. uh, if you guys don't know, we always uh, post about uh, we rate all the beers that we do. We uh, post it directly into our ales, grogs, and uh, uh, brews review in our Discord, and we use the un our untap profile. This I think might be our lowest rated one yet. Yeah, I think this is definitely going to fall yeah, around three point okay. five. Like I wouldn't hate having a, a glass of this at a bar, but also like. I probably wouldn't go out of my way. I wouldn't be looking for it on the menu. It's the best way I can describe it. It's good, but not nothing to like write. A, an it's typical hints. It's, yeah. it's got a hint of fruit, like yeah, a little bit it's of got a, yeah, yeah, a little fruit. It's got a little bit of the hop. That's a hazy. Yeah, it's hazy. It's, I mean, that's the best way to describe but, it. Like we said, 
in our intro, we are wrapping up world creation. Yep. And we... Can I do it one more time? Yeah. Go just one more time. I just... It brings me so much joy whenever yeah. I have to say... Uh, <laughs> It's my favorite thing to say, considering how quickly I wrote this stupid little creation line, but it's been so much fun, guys. So again, just for one time, everyone's favorite game show where you turn your brain into mind player much and let your two charismatic, charming voices with the choices DMs design a little world with an input from you. So, and I really just wanted to take, you know, a few minutes, probably you know, 10 or 15 minutes and just talk about everything that we've discussed and the tools that we've given you to start creating your campaigns your own campaigns, whether you want to use, uh, you know, the Kingdom of Hershey, as we've laid out, uh, or you want to start on your own thing. We've shown you from day one how to randomly generate a name for your uh, little town, little village, little hamlet, whatever you want, um, and what are some standard buildings and why there are standard buildings. Remember, we talked about the blacksmith. We talked about there being, you know, some sort of town hall. We talked about there being some sort of general store. You know, things like that that are probably going to be in every single little hamlet or, or village, right? Then we showed you through Fantasy Name Generator how we can just decide a random race in D&D and get a name. We don't have to be super creative with it. We really don't. You can make it easy on yourself. Roll your dice. Decide right. that I want to do. I want to do. Uh, you know, a d six worth plus one of, of mm -hmm. different races within the. Uh, and then we, your make, creation. we used a cliche on what the village does it's farming and that's okay you don't have to be creative with all of the aspects of your campaign think think about using the cliche to inspire the amazing and again we, we mentioned it as well have the players meet in the end right mm -hmm. what are the, what it's, the biggest fantasy trope mm -hmm. to, uh, cliche that there is out there like they we, technically do it in uh, Lord of the rings when it comes to breaking down your world it's all about how you address you know everything else right it's again you're letting your players craft your world it is again I, you've heard me mention it eight million times on the podcast but it is cooperative storytelling at its finest here so, so we, we broke got, that we got to, we got to that yeah. and then we showed you how to make a slightly bigger town that might have like a post office right and that there's a reason for a post office like you need a way to transfer mail and this bigger town would have it it might have a brewery it was located on a lake so we gave it a, a small port you know, we gave it all of the general things and still made it connect to how the overall area operates. And remember, we did this all with my sort of D4 structure and how quadrant I structuring, yeah. the quadrant structure and how I explained for me going towards a capital, the, the towns, the cities, the villages will always get bigger, right? So we're going up and around the lake closer to where I'm going to put Alamand in the grand map of everything. And it gets bigger. Your towns get bigger. You get into, you know, actual full-size towns, maybe small cities. Like this is just an easy way for you to make a map that makes sense. Then we randomly rolled what government type. We didn't decide that we needed to have, you know, a military dictatorship or, you know, one of these, like an, an aristocracy or, you know, a theocracy. We didn't decide that. We just said, dice, tell us what it is. And it's yep. a democracy. And then we established for our own benefit a way to make it easy to relate to the modern world we said it's going to have a, a royal family but they're really kind of more figureheads they're like the british parliament and you can use history to write your plot hooks there that's really easy to do like are they make are they making themselves an empire right and they're drawing yep. animosity from other nations like 
are you know are they do they have a long-term rival like ergo france that they've constantly just battled and this has been the longest time of peace and now it's at an end you know you can do these sorts of things to borrow from history and just reflavor it and it, it makes sense it works we created a natural barrier with mountains barrier. Uh, there and then in doing so we also realized okay well then i think one of the biggest problems that the players are going to be addressing is uh we let it uh, uh, yeah we let an issue of succession mm -hmm. being occur. We again, we rolled this again. Yeah. We had uh, we decided on one uh, of this this councilman who's leading this area, uh, Brewmaster Austin. We can look up the names later, but uh, that he was you know dedicated to the kingdom, but has a morally gray uh, kind of like indifference towards other outside kingdoms. He, right. We let and that we, be decided. And then so. we even discussed like what factions would look like in our first major four area. different ones yeah. our four our first and not even saying that those are the only four you'd ever have but at least yeah. in that big town of karamal those four are the main ones that play and some of them might have influence in other towns some of them might not be there you don't you don't really know you know it's something that could change and morph with your world the structure and and all of that but we let we showed religion you as well we, we showed this you is the bigger thing and, yeah. and then we showed you how to do it with a new DM friendly religion. If you guys listen to the special episode that will be coming out on the Morden's Month, um, a very good description on like how simplistic really the Dwarven Pantheon is. And honestly, as someone who's done a lot of different pantheons and a lot of different religions and a lot of, they're all connected to this, it's kind of refreshing to have a pantheon that it's like, there is, it's pretty immutable. They've been pretty much the same. There's really not complex lore on it. And it all makes perfect sense when you think about, okay, what are, what are dwarves? They're fiery. They're passionate. Oh, they're created by soul forges. And Moradin himself sometimes maintains those keep, to keep the dwarves fiery and passionate. Like Everything just works for it. And it's not confusing the slightest. I think... And that's what we've done really well here. I think the, the kingdom itself is going to get much, much more of its information from you guys, from the players that we decide to put at the table, the ones who you know get lucky enough to join us on this lovely little adventure. But I think what else I've really enjoyed with the way that we've crafted this world is we did make it very inclusive as well. Like we added different races, we added, you know, we uh, represented everyone and everything, you know. Right. And, and I, we also gave. Yeah players not only a couple we gave them plot hooks at every step of the way so if you guys go listen to any particular episode almost with i think maybe one exception every time we do a world creation we give you plot hooks as to what you could use what we discussed that day into a plot hook so like i remember when we were talking um about caramel we we did like what about the trade you know the trade faction like what if it's up to no good it's getting too greedy it's sending the clerics that normally were going and blessing vanilla's fields and everything for big harvest are now charging for it you know we've we've shown you how even good things can be twisted if that's where you want your campaign to go correct and that is up to you the dm to decide what needs to be what's who's going to be the villain but like like most said the reason that um we don't go into all the small like random things like that is that you know, some of it is improv. Some of the, some of the small like way stops and stuff, rest stops. At, you know, on a three day journey through the woods. You know, obviously, I'm not going to explain to you what this random campsite is, right? But but I have bad diarrhea. I rolled a natural one. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. You uh, ruined all the rations. So 
Uh, but you know, it's <laughs> it's one of those things where we Ew. we gave you all of the ability to use fantasy generator and even gave you some names of some other toolkits for like encounters, give you some other toolkits for like random NPC generators. I mean, there are really tools online for you to do any and everything with. We're just showing you how to like lay it out, structure it and make it, you know, somewhat flow because again, it's a DMing and running your own creative campaign. No matter how many tips, tricks and everything we give you, it's a learning experience. And the best way to learn is to give your hat at it and try do the thing that brings you maybe a little bit of fear yeah uh, is that's... Try. because you'll never learn if you try to make your campaign perfect the first time you will fail and then you'll feel really sad because and we talked like, about it we talked about it in our last episode too we we broke down maybe your dming styles as well so you can incorporate any of those whether you're the novelist the taxi driver the beer holder right you i the best thing about dming I'm sorry to anyone who d disagrees with me. I don't think there's a wrong way to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Sure, every DM will be different and you may have your moments of contention with your players, but they're there to support you and you're there to support them. And that is kind of basically what we've got going on here. Right. And I'm and so very, that, yeah. And so that's why we've we've gone over government structure. We've gone over religion. We've gone over economy. We've gone over potential faction issues. We've gone over like, hey, you know what? The easiest way to make make your campaign uh, you know, follow through this like long plot is make it all related to the same thing. And remember we talked about episode one, the Smith being the issue. And then we talked about in episode two, the Smith being the issue. And then we talked about in like episode four or five with the factions that the Smith guild might've been corrupt. You can see how that's how you make your first campaigns bad guy. You make it very clear. You let the players follow the breadcrumb. The breadcrumb leads to where it's supposed to. Now, when you get a little bit more, you know, seasoned, or as you get later in the campaign, you can start doing those sort of Game of Thrones, like triple cross scenarios where you've got like so many interests and then it's always, you know, the person you medium suspect at the end of it. But um, I think that is a great place for us to sign off on the world creation aspect. It'll be up to me to finalize the rest of the campaign, finalize some details, and then accumulate the players for said campaign uh, sometime early next year. And this actually leads us to something big we want to talk about. It's kind of why we have this, uh, the title of the episode being about, you know, homebrewing. But we are going to have a new segment, that means. World creation will be coming to an end. We'll be shifting it over. A new segment here. Uh, and it's all going to be about homebrewing. So, speaking of which, let's talk about homebrewing here. Homebrewing in general, uh, for those of you non-D&D &D, uh, players, uh, yet, I know you're all going to want to play. Come on. Who's it? Who's it? I should stop. But yes, homebrewing here is literally the creation of we you heard us mention the word either homebrewing your world, crafting your world, you know, not running a module, not using anything that is officially licensed by, you know, Wizards of the Coast or anything like that. But that being said, that is very important to say that they insist on homebrewing. They insist on creation, uh, whether it's magical items, whether it's uh your crafting of a ship, crafting of anything like that. A mechanic, a, a, a monster, a subclass, a race. There are so many a things. A class. And there are, yeah. there are lots, for those of you who maybe aren't sure what we're talking about, if you go on to like someplace like D&D Beyond, uh, I know we reference it a lot, but it just is a place that has so much information readily available and pretty well organized for the most part. Um, there is a home brewing section, and all that stuff is just things that have been created by the community. 
um, and then posted for people to use. Yep. And there are tons of great ones. And I add them to my collection in D&D Beyond all the time because I'm like, ah, I need something, but I don't want to reflavor like a bandit for it. I kind of wanted something more. Like there was one encounter that I had centaurs were very heavily involved. And I was like, well, I don't want to reflavor a bandit. They don't have the movement speed. They don't have chart. Like I want something more unique. And someone had gone through and made like centaur archers like that with a bonus to hit if they charged because you know mongolian horse archers had like that sort of that effect. side of things so yeah. i was like that's really oh, cool. this is really well done now there are some ones where you have to like look at it and be like okay that's, that's broken broken yeah strong and again it's things that you learn there's really not a way to just look at it it's kind of by consensus but you will learn over time what homebrews are good and well done and what ones are Maybe they wanted to just create their own subclass to make themselves like a deity at level one. And it's like, okay, that's not really what we're or getting for. a plus five Vorpal sword. So yeah. For <laughs> example, I was going to bring up, I know I've mentioned a couple different things um, that I've homebrewed on DD um, Beyond. And one of them was, uh, I know I mentioned a, mo a spell called Firebow. And so I just wanted to pull this is, I, I want to point that I have not edited this spell since I first made it in 2020. So this is this was the very first like true homebrew spell or anything like that because I'd done a homebrew campaign obviously with that that sort of thing but this is the first like homebrew thing that I ever like uh, posted um, at all so I put it as a fifth level one minute casting time uh, you know area it's a fifth level evocation spell it lasts for eight hours you. Use the practice flames of your school to form a boat wreathed in arcane fire before you. The boat can be up to 10 feet wide and 30 feet long. The boat lasts for eight hours, and you can design uh, designate your intelligence modifier number of creatures to be safe from the ship's heat. The boat functions as a normal merchant boat, no cannons, and allows you to store your items on it for the duration. And then I do some like DCs with like damage, like a dex save uh, for 5d8 fire damage. Um, and for each level above fifth, it's an extra person on the boat and an extra D8 in the damage that it does if someone who's undesignated comes in contact. And so that's the first spell that I ever came up with. And obviously, I've talked about how it's been, it was broken by a player because, you know, I didn't know the specifics on it. But you kind of throw it out there and you learn by people using it. So, like, I learned that, you know, I haven't edited it yet, but I need to edit it to say it needs to be summoned in a liquid. Because obviously, if you They'll drop a flaming yeah. boat on people, Rosie, it's going to kill things. <laughs> AD ten. Uh, it's funny you bring that up, Austin. So, like, uh, I'm looking at some of my creations right now as well. So, here's one that my players. Uh, uh, I just had fun crafting as right. It's basically imagine I'm like a little bag. It's called Crankle's bag of mysterious go goodies, right? He's basically a, a gnome chef who likes to create. Yeah. So on it on located on the back of the packaging, it says. Crankle Thunderputz is known for its love of sweets and magic alike. So, what better way to combine the, the two than through chewable candy? Do not consume more than one piece per hour. Each bag of Crankle's bag of mysterious good adds a random plus one to either a skill check or a saving throw for up to one hour after consumption. To determine the outcome, roll a d20 and consult the table below. Taking multiple pieces of candy within that hour does not stack the effect, but there is a 1% chance it causes immediate diarrhea. 
amazing. Yeah. And I, I just it. went through it. I love it. One, there is no bonus. It's just extremely flavorful mm -hmm. all the way to like acrobatics being number two, animal handling uh, being three, all the way up to 20 in which they can select any skill or saving throw determined by the and consumer. Like that, there yeah. are videos on YouTube of how to do the homebrew well on D&D Beyond and use, because you can do all of these like uh, code entries to make it to where it will do the rolling like everything else on D&D Beyond. I haven't figured it out yet because I just, I'm too lazy to take the time to do it. But that being said, it, you can make these look very efficient. So one, um, and I want to just say that we are going to be doing this segment. Right now, we're talking about what Mo and I have created. We're going to be pulling from other creators that we might find on YouTube or TikTok or Reddit or something like that. Instagram, But yeah. also you guys yourselves. If you guys want to send us something for the homebrew segment, we're happy to review it, kind of go over it, offer our thoughts. Um, if you want more on how we homebrew or how we look at homebrewing the fireside episode that we did kind of goes into how i approach it um and this was one of the creations the next thing we're going to talk about that i mentioned on that i called it fizzbell scaled uh, fizzband sorry scaled lion a large beast lawful lethal um armor class of 20 uh 320 hit points put it at a cr 21 so it's a pretty pretty hefty creature um and essentially what i envisioned here is like kind of like a play on the Herokulin, uh, you know, Nimidian lion sort of thing. Yeah. But with like almost dragon scales going down the side instead of fur. Um, and that's why it's the scaled lion. And so when you look at um, homebrewing a creature, I'm just going to walk you through like what I did to create this one. It's like first thing I was like, okay, what level would I need this creature for? What level of party like how many people are in my party what campaign am i creating for right or what encounter am i designing for this that is going to then tell me okay for this many people a cr 30 or a cr 15 or whatever is going to be i want it to be deadly or i want it to be easy or i want it to be medium you know you you can use the cr scale in that aspect to make a, a rough gauge and then you can kind of look at a couple monsters so i looked at some cr 21s and saw where the AC kind of ranged from, I kind of chose on the lower end because I gave it a mythic action, which I'll talk about later. But, and then I kind of saw where the hit points were. I'm like, okay, I yep. picked like kind of the mid ground. So I think when it comes to, especially crafting monsters, like you have to play around with it, guys. Yeah. If you're if you're taking direct monsters that are involved in some of the the ones that you can find off uh, D and D uh, uh, Beyond or any of your uh, favorite uh, type of crafter, that when it comes uh, to this homebrew creations, you'll notice uh, the biggest tool to use is the back of the DM's guide. Even though Brewmaster Austin hates it, CR helps with this crafting. I, all right, Smeagol, take it easy there. All right. <laughs> You're so goddamn good. Silly Hobbit. I can't be anything. All right. Anyways, but yes. That's really good. But using it helps you kind of go, okay, well, this monster around this CR rating would be like about 180 to 225, it right. may say, right? Adjusting the CR downward and uh, taking a look, okay, well, if he is going to fall to a CR, let's say uh, taking a high-level monster and then descaling him down, mm -hmm. maybe it falls by 70 points. It helps you craft yeah, no, it helps. That. It definitely so. helps as like an anchor point. I, I just, I hate how CR is presented kind of as an end-all be-all for it. And there are definitely some CR monsters that are lower and might be actually a good segment for us to do too is deadly lower level CR monsters because there's ones like, I think it's called like the Baduk 
or whatever, but it has like, if you fail to save throw on its gaze by more than five, you're just instantly dead. So there's one, I, it's, it's funny it's you bring like that up. It's like a 13 but still yeah. like, you can roll in that one as a level 20 adventurer still and die to this thing. There's so, a creature, there's a creature and I believe it was uh, Acquisitions Incorporated. Uh, my one friend ran it. It's the one time I've lost, it was my first time losing a player. Uh, first time losing my a, a character of my own, right? If uh, Or one of our players did. If you die next to it, right, within five feet and you, you fall unconscious, instead of falling unconscious, you're absorbed and you drop dead. Yep. And it has a CR of like maybe a, a half. Yeah. There's another one in uh, one of the Iron Kingdom settings because Iron Kingdoms tends to be a little bit more like, brutal. you know, brutal. Yeah, it, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's very brutal, right? There is a creature that literally, if you fail its DC check, right, it automatically gives you a poison condition that is a disease. You have to roll on the disease table, right? And it, you could lose an arm, yeah. right? So like, yeah. yeah. One, and one, before we get back to like on the homebrew topic, but one that I also, I've enjoyed and I haven't gotten to use it yet, but I have some plans to use it in the future is I saw it. It was on, it was on one of the Reddit pages, like Reddit homebrew, like it's like D&D homebrew or something. Yeah, and there's a lot of, yeah. Reddit, a lot of ones, yeah. but they made this like CR half monster. It's got like basically the stats of a goblin. It's pretty easy to kill. Right. But the thing that it does is like, kind of like, you know how like shadows have that like point, they drain your strength. Well, this thing drains your spell slots. And if you lose, yes. and if you have no spell slots left, so if you're just a barbarian and you have no spell slots, you die. Whoa, 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 whoa. Failing the same. So they basically did it kind of what you, what happens if you lose like uh, the, the yeah. debuffs towards like wisdom or exactly. con. If it exactly. hits zero. But, like, it's still a save. It's still like a DC. It's still a fairly easy con save. Like it's not something too astronomical. But again, like if you have no, the wording is if you have no, no spell slots remaining. So Which means a barbarian would die. One hit, and that's a way to throw. So that's why CR is not great, because yeah. you can throw an encounter that is specialized to certain classes that might be worse for other classes. Like, obviously, that's going to favor a wizard who has a bunch of spell slots, right? But then there are also ones who might be, like, immune to, like, fire and lightning, but might be vulnerable to bludgeoning damage. Well, your barbarian with a great club is going to wreck that encounter and this is why home brewing is so extremely important yeah it, it's so like we could sit there and say oh, i can craft a cr2 creature but at the same time if i'm giving it like for instance you mentioned it mythic action go ahead tell right, yeah, yeah. tell so, everyone what a so mythic what I, action so is. what i did and i'm not going to go through every portion of it but what i did was when i look at creatures of the same cr i try to at least give it similar amount of things equating so i gave it things like spell casting which a lot of CR21 monsters have spellcasting, but I made it just Thunderstep three times a day because there are other things that are going to be coming up, but it fits with the whole lightning blue scale kind yeah. of thing, right? Yeah. Magic resistance. A lot of CR21s, almost every single one has magic resistance, so that makes sense. Their weapons are magical, so the claws and bite are magical. Again, standard. That makes sense. Stormborn. So this is when I first started getting into like adding some own things. So if the if the uh lion is hit with a spell that does thunder lightning or fire damage the hide activates and until the start of its next turn any spell attack or weapon must roll a d6 and on a four to a six the attack misses that's so cool it's basically so it's, it's, it's modified hex blades aren't or it? it's a mirror image it's very much similar to, yeah that's so cool and so yeah. that but it's obviously it's a triggering condition so it's not up all the time because obviously if half the attacks are just going to miss all the time it's not a cr20 it's like a cr30 yeah it's way higher 
but that gives your players a chance to then figure out, oh, maybe we shouldn't hit it with these. It seems to be stronger when we hit it with these because it's also immune um, to a, a bludgeoning piercing from non-magical and it has resistance to lightning and thunder. So, you know, it kind of makes sense. But then the other thing that I did is I just kept, you know, the bite, claw attack, the multi-attack, all that's pretty much standard for what I see at CR 21. I just look, okay, at roughly 2d6 to 2d8 is what I see on most basic attacks, and they're usually making three or four. So, you know, that. But yep. then I gave it a uh, kind of like a roar that is similar to uh, Dragon's Breath. So I called it Stunning Roar, which was... Um, the steel predator admits a uh, a roar in a 60-foot cone. Each creature must make a DC 19 constitution uh, saving throw on a failed save. They take 5d10 thunder da- uh, damage, drop everything it's holding, and are stunned for one minute. On a, se- on a successful save, it's half damage. The stunned creature repeats the save at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on the success. So you can see there are some things, while the damage of 5d10 is actually not a lot for a CR 21, being stunned for a minute and having to repeat a con save for your wizard, not great. Could not, yeah. Dropping everything is bad for all classes because you have to use an action to pick it up. So your barbarian drops his magical greatsword. He's got to spend it. So it's even buying you on a successful, it's buying you two turns. Yeah. So it's one of those yep. things. And it recharges on a five to a six, similar to a dragon's breath. I then... uh gave it a reaction of reflective hide. So when hit with a melee opportunity attack, the infused hide of the lion deals half the damage back as force damage to the attacker. Uh, Legendary resistances three times a day. And then the mythic action I gave it was I went to mythic odyssey um, of Theros. Uh, yeah that I, and i looked at some of those mythic actions and i was like they're I really cool like this one they're really cool fit this so what happens is it's undying roar if the lion is reduced to hit to zero hit points it does not die it instead makes a con saving throw to rage through death starting at dc 10 and the success uh increases the dc by three so let's say it goes down to zero hit points it rolls a con save it rolls an 11 great it's back up with one hp and it keeps fighting and if it goes down again, the DC is now 13. Yeah, it, it keeps increasing. Yeah, it keeps going. Undead. And we just talked fails, about it before. Undead fortitude is something similar to this uh, as yeah, well. If it yeah, it fails. It's paralyzed to the ground with one hit point and will die if it's reduced to zero. Um, during the undying roar, the lion's claw attacks now do lightning or thunder damage, its choice, and the co- uh, target must succeed on a DC 18 con save. And on a fail, they're stunned till the next turn. It's, so it's it, what's. It makes it like this, like last ditch ever. It's like it's stunning you. It's throwing lightning. It's like and actually like the death. It's inf- inspiring the sort of animalistic instinct. But it's obviously something that, at best, you're with the. I think I gave it proficiency in con. Yeah, it has like a plus seven to its con save. So it's like at best you're gonna get maybe five. Yeah, maybe five that- more rounds of that. Do you have a preference then when it comes to homebrewing? Do you prefer monsters or do you prefer spells or items? I, I could tell you outright looking at my creations, I've done two things, spells and items. I've done one or two monsters that I have uh, taken from already a uh, person who's uh, kind of published it and then I'll just copy it and then kind of adjust yeah, it. it. There, yeah, because yeah, I just I don't feel comfortable yet with a monster, but I am working on something yeah, right now monsters, as well. I yeah. do mostly monsters, actually, mm-hmm. I find. Um, I do... I don't really do spells as much. I will if my player has something specific, but I think especially with all of the with all of the homebrew spells that are already in there, 
in D&D Beyond, as well as all the spells they continue to add, I really think that they're, the player can really find what they're looking for. But if they don't, I'm happy to homebrew it because I've got some experience doing it. But I do primarily, almost, I would say probably 70% is monster or subclass. So for me, I uh, so I a spell for me and items for me, uh, ideally. But most in particular with the spells, I, I pulled two things. I did a uh, look into the creation of the old 3.5 spells. So I got those. I uh, kind of converted them in. Like one of them was just great. It's called Death Recall here. So it's a second level, uh, second level spell. You touch a corpse that has been dead for 24 hours and receive a vision of the final moments of its life. During that round, the spell ends. You are inca uh, incapacitated uh, as if you're in a trance. It's just a great spell, but the one I really got obsessed with is Hemocraft. Hemocrafting is basically blood magic, everyone. Yeah. So the thing is with D&D, &D, they don't have a lot of that. I will say with the now edition of the Taldoi Re Reborn campaign setting, officially in D&D &D Beyond, they've added the Blood Cleric. I've always been right. obsessed with the idea of that. But what I did find then is I uh, pulled specifically from spells that I found. I, I made one too, right? Gift of Vitality and Blood Shield being kind of you can kind of hear a blood right. gift of vitality boom i can give them a little extra hp and a blood shield you sacrifice some of your hp and it'll block an incoming attack your, yeah correct yeah. so i think that's i love the idea of taking spells and reworking them changing them in some manner or fashion uh items though don't yeah. even get me started yeah though i found yeah. <laughs> i found one of the only items i've ever done because i i think for me the reason i don't do items is there are so many people that do items and do them really well and do them very balanced that like i'm throwing my hat in a ring that has a lot of hats and yep you know i <laughs> i i think that j there are so many cool ideas out there that unless it's something again my player really wants specific to theirs i'm gonna let them suggest ideas uh, you know from anywhere and if i think it's pretty fair and balanced I'll be like yeah like we can put that in a random trove somewhere and you might find it along the way like i can put that as like something that should be included in the loot table right absolutely but yeah. the only one i ever did i actually again it was something that the player requested uh so i call it a mythical uh, mithril walkers of divine refuge so essentially it's a very rare item requires attunement uh you know because again very rares pretty much always do um, and I have a whole description of blah, 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 you know, backstory, whatever. But twice per day, once you're attuned, you have the ability to leap in front of a weapon or spell attack targeting an ally within the movement uh, speed of the wearer. The attack roll and potential damage are then redirected to the wearer instead of the attuned target. If the attack block is made from a, way, uh, a melee weapon, the wearer pushes the intended target back five feet, and that ally must make a dexterity saving throw or be knocked prone. Um, it recharges uh, at the end of a long day, and that's pretty much like the thing. But I made it because this character wanted to be this like oath of protection style paladin, and I'm like, well, what better way to do that than like give you if you are within 30 feet? I think he actually took the mobile feet, so within 40, but yeah. within 40 feet, you can just teleport and take a, a melee, a, a weapon attack, ranged or melee, or a spell attack. And you can potentially like push them out of the way of harm if it's a melee uh, weapon attack, forcing uh, forcing them to move. Yeah, right. And yeah. you can you can force movement without them provoking an opportunity. Correct. So, so it's just like huge. You can. Huge. It's really playing into that. And that was the only time I've ever really like 
sat down and been like, all right, I'm going to create I'm, something new. I'm with you. It, it, the the market is let, let's put it bluntly here. The market is saturated with you know people coming up with a lot of like different ideas when it comes to uh, home brewing their items. But you know, magical items are there for that reasoning, mm -hmm. right? Like you know, I remember meant to be a lot. Yeah, it, so I'm like my favorite tool to use was the uh, DMs Guild. Going to DMs Guild, yep. jumping on there, guys. It is a great website. It's like, and yep. you, yeah, you pay a little bit. Most of these books cost, and I mean, some of them are a fraction, like two bucks, and yeah, it gives and, you and, like and they have a hundred items. Free stuff too. Yeah, so. there's a lot of free stuff too. Uh, definitely go check out DMs Guild if you do need some items. Or again, kind of like you said, and there's also Master a Austin. couple. I can't remember yeah. the creator off the top of my head, but there's also I might make a maybe a new thing on the Discord of like homebrew, uh, like helpful homebrew sites or something. Correct. Um, but there's one that will let you kind of like pick qualities that you want and then it'll randomly roll you like a description and like qualities that would fit what, you know. So there are definitely ways if you're not, again, like I said, you the do not. The DM's do guide, not, by the way. I completely forgot. Yeah, the DM's yeah. guide has it. There are yeah. sites that'll do it for you. You do not have to be this like super creative person to come up with something unique. It really is like if you put, if you use these sites or use the DMs guide or you, you know, use that, they make it so that even if you're not very like ethereally created off the top of your head, you can then operate and create something special for your players. And I think that's really why homebrew is necessary is that it really makes the world feel dynamic to alive the yeah alive yeah. To the player and going forward i'm looking forward to see some stuff i know you've got a subclass you're working on i'm working on a subclass as well so yep. we can maybe present those and obviously review if anybody else any of our listeners have something homebrew they might want us to review look at or if they just are like hey i thought this was cool can you talk about it so next time you guys hear this segment, uh, you know, it will definitely have a nice little uh, opening intro and things like that. But that's kind of why we wanted to address this. It's going to be a fun ongoing segment and a, probably a very long ongoing segment here. So biggest thing here for you guys is, again, we are doing our lovely uh, giveaway this month, everyone. Uh, speaking of which, I almost forgot, guys. Uh, this is the 20th, I believe, that when this recording will be coming out, which means happy holidays if you celebrate Thanksgiving and the holidays coming up 100%. To let you guys know, we will be off next week on the 27th. We're going to be recuperating for the holidays and things like that. And it'll also give Brewmaster Austin and I some time to kind of sit down and select the winner for our contest. That's right. The next time you hear an episode will be on December 4th. And on December 4th, we'll be selecting a winner for our amazing giveaway uh, contest there in which you can win the DMs guide and the uh, player's handbook there. Uh, remember, we do have a post in an Instagram post. If you go to uh, our Instagram, like, comment, and share that post that you will see. It's very clearly the giveaway contest post. Tag your friends and share us. Share us with your friends and family, and all of you will automatically get entered in to have a chance to win that. Again, you'll know on December 4th during our return, kind of season two-ish, or just maybe... I mean, it's been only what since August. Yeah. I mean, December fourth, season two of Dungeons and Brutes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and with that, I want to thank you guys all for being a part of the world creation. I'm excited to start this homebrew segment. Please send us your homebrews. I'm always talking with players about random stuff. So uh, I promise, if you even if you send it at 3 a.m., I probably will look at it at 4:30. So we never sleep. Yeah, we're always awake. For Mister Austin. What would you say is your favorite thing about D and D? Let's just be, let's make this question one of my favorite ones, right? We we've talked, you know, you know, with us coming down here, and again, wanting to announce season two, right? Yeah, simply but, simply put, 
it's just the fact that it is a it is truly a place where you can be whatever you want to be. Yeah. And for me, it's it's a I've definitely seen it. And we've talked off camera about it, like the very healing aspect of that, where it lets people truly kind of explore not only hurt, but some wins, some successes, some other portions of themselves. But it, it can be fun. It can be lighthearted. It can be serious. Yeah. It can be a slog if you want it to be. It is truly whatever you want it to be. And I think that alone is what makes it so much fun and why I put in the hours that I do to do podcasts and, you know, two or three campaigns. And You, know. you and I have talked about it 8 million times. I It has... It has been an opening uh, experience for me in which I have found a community that I feel amazing with. Yeah. Uh, I'm very much into fitness, as some of you know, but I love this community of D&D. Yeah. When everything that was going on with the, uh, the pandemic uh, well, the pandemic and things like that, but also earlier this year in which we did see some creators were suffering and kind of worried, especially with the, the Commons Creative License that was uh, the yeah. phenomena that was going on with right. D&D at the time earlier this year. But to see that how the community, you know, circled one another, protected one another and said, no, you know, you know, you, can, pri you, yeah. you can pry my d dice out of my cold. Yeah. It's never going to happen. But I've, I've loved everything about it. The connection with players, the storytelling, the, no, the novelist, if you're that type of DM style. But I mean, we, we started this thing just for, mind you, him and I, as you can hear, sometimes my voice is kind of shot and sometimes Brewmaster Austin is a little tired himself. Heck, he's was telling me he's got an important case tomorrow. So we love this connection. We love the bonding experience. And Brewmaster Austin, to finish out this season, shall we roll? One more time. We shall roll one more time. One more time here to finish off season one of Dungeons and Brews. And seven to six. I'm yes. the lead. Yes, but here I come. I'll see you in season two, baby. Eat that natural 29. <laughs> He's gotten one. I couldn't get one. <laughs> guys, thank you. Part of the brew. Part of the pod. Part of the brew. We'll see you guys in a couple weeks. <laughs>